1982, so for many of you before you were born. Uh, uh, in 1982, a long, long time ago, I could say, uh, I felt a strong sense of calling to ministry. Uh, I had felt that first when I was 14. Uh, now, at age uh, 19, I felt this sense of meaning and purpose call out to me. Now, one of the uh, processes within the United Methodist Church that leads to becoming uh, a, an ordained person like I am today is the retelling of your call story. And so I was required to write up all of the uh, pertinent information about how I felt called and what had happened, what had transpired from uh, an emotional, spiritual, intellectual, all of those levels. I was meant to bring all of that together in a statement. Now in 1982, and I no longer have access to that. If I have it anywhere, uh, I don't know what happened to it. Uh, I remember typing it up. I remember having to present it and have it printed out so that everyone in my home congregation there were about 250 people on that Sunday morning that I had to uh, share my call story with uh, aloud. Before that, with a smaller group of the same church, and then eventually with a district committee, and it all leads down the road. It's all, and the way I would tell the story in 1982 is not the same way I would tell the story today. It's not that the story changed or the uh, the information changed as in, I see the story through new eyes. I see it in new ways because what I thought was happening to me as my 19-year-old self is different than what I think was happening to me as a 59-year-old self. Now, that doesn't make the story I told when I was 19 false or the story that I tell as a 59-year-old true. It simply means that the story and the way I presented it spoke to me in ways and in different kinds of, there were things I wanted to highlight in when I was 19 so that it was clear I was called because I didn't want there to be any doubt. And now when I tell the story, there was all sorts of doubt and complete uncertainty about it. And I can say it now, having been ordained for all these years. And having served in churches under appointment for like 34 years of my life, I can now know and admit to how many doubts there were. But at 19, I had to, in my own mind, appear as though I had no doubts whatsoever. It was clear. It was as if the heaven had opened and God had said these words literally to me. You are called to be a United Methodist pastor. And by the way, I will send you to a place called St. James not named for you, and you will serve forever and ever until you're dead or retire or whatever. I would like to tell that story, but that's not how the story goes. That's not how the story goes. Now, story is very powerful. Story is very powerful. I, I'm reading a book called Story or Die. There is actual neuroscience about why you perk up when you hear stories and why you fall asleep when you hear facts. 
because we are designed by evolution and by God to live by stories. Almost every decision you make in every given moment happens at the unconscious level, and the stories inform you about what's right. The author, quoting a neuroscientist, says that we think the most important thing that ever happened to us is the development of the opposable thumb so that we could hold things. And the truth is, this neuroscientist said is, no, that's not the most important thing that ever happened. It's that we learn to tell stories so we know what to hold on to and what not to hold on to. What are the things we grab with these opposable thumbs versus not? Now, lest I go into all the details, because reading this book, it's very funny. It's very funny to me to read this book because the author keeps arguing about how important the story is, and she gives me facts. Lots and lots of <laughs> facts. So I read it in short snippets because the facts, uh, the facts, uh, I, I get lost in them. I get lost in them. Now, for us as people of faith, as Christian people, the stories tell us who we are. They tell us what our meaning is. They tell us where we come from. If I were to tell you my call story, you know, when I told my call story, it only reached back to Sunday school, to growing up in the church. If I were to tell you my call story now, it would probably reach back to before the beginning of time itself, when God envisioned me and saw who I would be and imagined me before I became a person. Still essentially the same story, except that there's a more cosmic nature to it. And that's why our Hebrew brothers and sisters uh, told the stories that we call the Old Testament, and why, uh, why the early church and the early disciples told the stories that we call the New Testament, because they knew story would change us. Story would give us meaning. Story would draw us in. Story would help us remember who we are and help us keep the faith when all around us was inviting us to lose our faith. Say, like the year 2022, when it's hard to see from moment to moment what's going on in the world. And depending upon what your story is, you believe one narrative about COVID-19, and if your story is different, you believe a whole nother narrative. We are not objective people. We are story-shaped people, and our stories tell us what to think about the science or the lack thereof, about conspiracies or the lack thereof. Our stories tell us. We don't see the world the way it is. We see the stories the way our stories, we see the world the way our stories tell us to see the world. So today we're gonna begin, and we're gonna run through some stories in the Bible. I was thinking about it as we sang our first song this morning that uh, James uh, laid out for us. The bridge of that, the bridge of that song talks about turning bones into armies, graves into gardens, and also uh, talks about seas into highways. I think that it's seas into highways. Every single one of those is an allusion to a story in the Bible. But if you don't know the story, doesn't mean a thing to you. It's like 
Graves into gardens? What is that about? Could that be the resurrection story of Jesus? Where we're told Mary appears in the garden? What about bones into uh, armies? Maybe Ezekiel? If you don't know Ezekiel, you don't know the story of the dry bones, the valley of the dry bones. But we make these allusions in the songs that we sing and in the things that we do that are stories that are meant to shape us. But if you don't know the story, it's just a line in a song. As the Hebrew ancestors put together for us this book, they started in a place because there was something important that they wanted to lay the foundation for us. So I'm going to read to you just a bit today I'm not reading you the entire first chapter of, uh, of Genesis, because if I did, it's long. And it's not, it doesn't feel like a story. It starts to feel like, oh my gosh, is James ever going to be quiet? Uh, but here is the beginning of the story that we have claimed for ourselves. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But the earth became chaos and emptiness, and darkness came over the face of the deep. Yet the Spirit of God was brooding over the surface of the waters. Then God said, uh, light be, and light was. God saw the light was good, and God separated light from darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. Evening came and morning followed the first day. Then God said, now make an expanse between the waters, separate water from water. So it was. God made the expanse and separated the water above from the water below. God called the expanse sky. Evening came and morning followed the second day. We're going to get the third day in there, too. I want to just get, bring the third day, and then we're going to jump to the sixth day because I'm going to jump around in the story. Then God said, Waters under the sky be gathered into one place. Dry ground appear. So it was. God called the dry ground earth and the gathering of the waters sea. And God saw that this was good. And God said... Earth, produce vegetation, plants that scatter their own seeds, and every kind of fruit tree that bears fruit with its own seed in it. So it was. The earth brought forth every kind of plant that bears seed and every kind of fruit tree on earth that bears fruit with it. And in it, God saw that this was good. Evening came and morning followed the third day. Then God said, jumping ahead, Earth, bring forth all kinds of living souls, cattle, things that crawl, and wild animals of all kinds. So it was. God made all kinds of wild animals and cattle and saw, that, uh, and saw everything that crawls on the ground, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image to be like us, 
Let them be stewards of the fish in the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, the wild animals, and everything that crawls on the earth. Humankind was created as God's reflection. The divine image of God created them, female and male, God made them. God blessed them and said, bear fruit and multiply. God looked and saw that the creation was very good. Evening came, morning followed, the sixth day. Now, if you think about it, that's a really interesting place to begin. You know, we all begin stories in the beginning. In the beginning, pum, ba ba dum, ba ba dum, pum, 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 ba da pum. You could get a nice, uh, good drum roll in there in the beginning, uh, whatever is happening. But this is the beginning of everything. And our Hebrew sisters and brothers made a statement that other, other groups at the same time would not make. Among the monotheistic religions of that time, they made the claim that it was God that made the earth on purpose. On purpose. It wasn't the result of a war uh, between the gods and the horrible outcome was that there were human beings. <laughs> the horrible outcome was there was an earth separated from the sky. That's not the story we tell. In the beginning, it was God's intention to begin creating everything. And so God did. God created everything. Now, for some people who hear the story one way, it had to happen in six days, and God took a rest on the seventh. For other people who hear it, they hear a deep truth that is beyond whether it took seven days to create the world or 17 billion years to create the world. What they hear is that the origin is God. The origin is God. And when God looked at every single thing God made, God made a pronouncement about it. It's good. That grass out there? It's good. You know, when the city of Alexandria comes, and periodically I'm not always good about cutting my grass, maybe three times, four times since we've lived in the parsonage for 30 years, I've gotten, and a neighbor has to report you. So some one of my neighbors said, your grass is too tall, and called the city. And the city came, and it was almost always when our lawnmower was broken, you know, and I couldn't cut the grass. I've gotten those little warning citations on Hey, you've got 10 days to cut the grass until we send somebody to cut the grass for you and charge you for it. Just a heads up. Just a heads up. Now, unfortunately, my neighbors didn't see that grass the way God did. They didn't see it as good. They saw it as tall. They told a different story about the grass. But God tells the story that the grass is good and that the animals are good and that night and day, both, are good. Not just day, not just night, not just light, not just darkness. Both. Both are good. Good, 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 good. And the end is very good. Now, what if I told you that this is not the oldest story in the Bible? That the oldest story is the one we're going to look at next week, the story of the garden. The story of the garden and Adam and Eve, that's the oldest story in the Bible. 
So why did the Hebrew folks put this other story before it? We believe that the story came to be written down while, as scholars do, that it came to be written down while the Hebrew people were in exile. They had lost all hope. They had lost any sense of identity. The people in Babylon were trying to make them be like Babylonians. Stop worshiping that one God that you've got. Worship our gods. Stop worrying about the promised land that you were promised. Instead, become a part of the Babylonian world. Fit in with everybody else. Don't worry about whether you eat meat that's appropriate or in. Eat what everybody else eats. Do what we do. Fit in. And so they started retelling this story. And it came to be written down to remind them that they were given a specific identity and that everything is good and that God's the origin of it all. But you know what? The seven-day story came into being in part because this God does things in order. God takes the chaos of our lives and brings it to order. And that's a good thing to think especially when your life stinks and everything feels like chaos and it's coming apart and the promise of the promised land is gone and the promise of your own temple is gone and you can't see the signs of your one God where you are in a strange place. It's good to remember that the God who made everything, your God, is also a God who, in the midst of all the chaos, God's spirit was brooding over this crazy water. Water is a sign of chaos, by the way, in old stories. That God's spirit was brooding over the chaos. And from that chaos brought order. And even in a foreign place, you can find the order that you need because God is still God. And that's why they told that story. And that's why it comes first. So that you can remember that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. So that you can remember the origin of everything, whether it took seven days or 13 billion years, is God. God is behind it all. God orders it all, brings it into place, and looks at it and is delighted by it. God looks at you right now and is delighted by you. By the variety of you, the different way you see the world, the different way you live your lives, the different stories you tell about yourselves, God is delighted by that. God sees every single one of you, first and foremost, as good. In fact, because you're human beings, day six, you didn't just get the good moniker. You got the one that's very good. God saw all God did, including the crown of creation, which is humanity, and said, it's good. Now, for just a moment, let's stand back, because I don't want to talk too long. I don't want this to go on forever. 
But in the midst of the chaos that is our lives these days, worldwide pandemic, people who cannot see eye to eye, whose stories lead to different conclusions, in a country that's divided, but in a world that's divided, the things that I call facts in my own personal life are the things that people I love and know call fiction. And the things that they call facts, I call fantasy. Is there some bottom line common ground we can grab in the midst of all of this chaos? Can we maybe go back to Genesis 1 and see that all of this, the grass out in the front yard, the trees, each one of you in all of your different colors and attires and jobs or retirements or whatever you do with yourself, it's good. It's okay to see the world differently as long as you're kind and loving to your neighbor. Now that's another story. But that's one of the many stories. In fact, it's kind of the flavor of the whole book of the Bible, but we'll get to that later. This week, I just want you to remember the creation story, that out of chaos comes order, even the chaos of your messy lives, and mine too, that everything that God created is good. Everything at its core is good. And that God is the origin of it all. That's enough story to begin with. I want you to look around you. You can do it now. But I want you to spend this week looking around. Wherever you're going to be, maybe you're going to be on vacation, wherever you are. Maybe you're going back to work after some vacation time. Look around and see if you can see in the world what God sees in the world. It's good. It's good. And in the neighbor, even the neighbor who sees things differently than you do, can you see very good? Can you see very good? Because that's what God sees. That's what God sees. In the end, the biblical story is told because we're people of stories. As soon as you start telling a story, it activates dopamine in our brains. That's the way we're designed. Have you ever noticed when you come home from work and you want to listen to a story or read a story, that it kind of lets you let go of all the craziness going on in your life? That you feel better, your brain releases dopamine for you. You can escape for a while. God wired us to love story, not facts, although we get our facts from story. That's neither here nor there. So look for the good in the world. And the midst of chaos, look for the God who is bringing order. So, it's time for us to pray. Do we have any different prayer requests this morning? All right.
This is, this is some of the news. Some time back, I told you the story of uh, a mullah who was seeking to leave Afghanistan, that he had been part of a group that cooperated with and helped our troops while they were there, uh, Mullah Daoud. And uh, he has been cleared. Um, he was able to get out of uh, Kabul and to New Jersey. I don't know if that's a good destination. Okay, sorry. Sorry, that was just kidding. I love New Jersey. If you're a New Jerseyite, I'm so glad you're watching. Yay. Um, I've been through New Jersey. I've been to the New Jersey beaches, so it's a good place. Sorry, I got distracted. But I'm so thankful that, uh, that he and others got out, have been cleared, and have found a place uh, among us. Uh, last week I told you about our nephew, Lucas, who was very, very sick with COVID, and he is improving. I don't know if he's come home yet. Oh, he has come home. Uh, but he was very, very sick, and it was not looking good. Uh, if you're anything like me, you know a lot of people, perhaps, who have been exposed and now have uh, COVID. Uh, from the Omicron virus uh, variant. So I want us to pray for all our differences. I want us to pray to see the goodness in the world. I want us to pray for and give our thanks. Uh, we've been praying for uh, Mullah Daoud, and we're so delighted that he has, uh, he has made it safely. Uh, and we pray for his ongoing well-being. Uh, let's pray for each other. And in the midst of uncertainty, let's pray for the faith that will carry us through. Um, I'll begin in a moment of silent prayer. I'll pray out loud for us. We'll pray the Lord's Prayer, a version of which will be on the screen behind me. Um, you can pray any version you know our wish to pray. Let's enter into a moment of silent prayer together. Gracious and loving God, I hear the sound of the blue jay outside, and I'm thankful because I know the blue jay is good. I know this world in which we live is good, and the people in it are, at their core, good. Sometimes we just don't act like it. We pray, oh God, that you would help us to love one another better, to tell better stories, stories that draw each other into your goodness that reflect just how awesome you are and how much you care for us. Help us to get to know the stories that will teach us who we are and why we matter. Thank you for making us and making us with that same kind of creative energy that you made everything. 
we are thankful for your love and the grace that comes to us. We are thankful for Maladaun and others who have safely made it here. Um, thankful for the help that they gave us in Afghanistan. We are thankful that Lucas is recovering. We are concerned for all those who face the challenges of uh, COVID-19 in its various forms, most recently the Omicron variant. We pray that you will help us to be wise and safe and to care for one another in a loving fashion. For everything else in your world that I couldn't name, because that's a lot, we entrust that to your care and give you thanks, especially for your son Jesus, the story that has shaped our gathering on Sunday morning. We're so thankful for all that he means to us, the way he taught us to live, and for his giving our for his life that we might come to know what it is to live more fully because of him. And it's in his name we pray now, the prayer that he taught us that we could pray together. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen.